edition of the Metal Hammer of Doom podcast. I am your host, the mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Rattledge. With me, as always, is my co-host, the author of the original, never-to-be-duplicated, always-outstanding Metal Hammer of Doom column that you can read every week, maybe, on 411mania.com. He's a uh, prolific podcaster in his own right. Ladies and gentlemen, Robert Cooper, how do you do, sir? Yeah, I don't do too badly. You know, Labor Day, Labor Day weekend. You know, I really thought it for four days. It sure didn't last. I feel like even three. Uh, but hey, fun with weddings, and I went and saw White House Down. I would not recommend that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I've heard it's terrible. My daughter cried tears yeah, of was, joy when you know, she met uh, so, when she met Sophia the first. <laughs> we, yeah, it was a a two hour movie that felt like three. Um, yeah, it looked terrible. Um, my my I, on Sunday I had a friend come in from New York, uh, my co host of the Right Hook, Mister John Brodigan of the Consultant Class. And he was in town for an Americans for Prosperity event um, as part of the uh, From the Right radio team. So they they get invited to all these different events throughout the country. Uh, and so they get together with their fellow bloggers and stuff. He came down and, um, you know, I actually did two hours of live radio from uh, finger from the Finger Hut, Fingers, Finger Malloy's hotel room, as it were. Uh, just a spit's distance away from Universal Studios. If you actually walked across the street and hopped the fence, you'd be on the Hulk. That's how close they were. Um, so I went to Orlando Thursday night, hung out with uh, them, did two hours of live radio with a bunch of the good folks there from from the right com, And then uh, they went and did their thing. I went home because I have to go to work the next day, and I didn't want to go do karaoke with a bunch of drunk neocons. So um, I... Uh, Saturday, he uh, he was still at the event, and then um, he was checking out of the hotel and then coming to my house to watch UFC 164. And I was all prepared to open Sunday's show with Light em up, Black Jesus, Light em up, Black Jesus, Light em up, Black Jesus, whoa. You know, a little Fallout Boy, but mixed in Black Jesus in there. Was a, would have been a mashup for the ages. And then he submitted, was he was submitted in the first round by Armbar. So I was like, well, no more, no more black Jesus never taps. I'll tell you that much. But uh, he slept over. <laughs> he slept over uh, that night after all, all the shenanigans were over, and then I brought him to the airport the next day. And since I was bringing him to the Orlando airport anyway, my wife got the bright idea of let's just go to Hollywood Studios, and Hollywood Studios is where they have a lot of the Disney Junior stuff. So they they re they changed the Disney Junior show. They took out Handy Manny. Um, I don't remember who. Oh, they took out the they took out the little Einsteins, and they put in. Uh, they kept they kept Jake and the Neverland Pirates. I know this is very interesting. Um, they 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 added in Doc McStuffins, and they added in Sophia the First. And Sophia the First was actually signing autographs outside of the Disney Junior thing. So we stood online so my daughter could meet Sophia the First, and she was very very excited. She kept cutting the line, and we had to keep telling her, "No, that's how you get." put in the unhappiest place on earth in the happiest place on earth you know you you know you don't want to end up in disney jail so you know we made her stay online and then she got there and she was verklempt she was absolutely verklempt robert cooper she saw sophia the first and she just cried tears of joy she couldn't stand it no that's the cutest yep you should have seen her during the disney junior show i mean you know, I thought she was going to throw her diaper on stage. She was so excited. Fucking Mickey came out because the whole thing is, is um, the world's dumbest show, by the way, even by kid standards. Uh, you have the, the Mickey Mouse Club comes out, and it's Minnie's birthday, and they all have to, like, do things for Minnie's birthday party, except that they're all mentally retarded. So, like, Donald <laughs> does <laughs> so like Donald doesn't know how to buy a gift, and Daisy doesn't know how to hang a sign, and Goofy doesn't know how to bake a cake. See? And it's oh, just yeah. Well, I mean, you know, his made the most logical sense, but literally, like, I don't know what I, I don't know what to buy. Which, okay, that, I guess that would make sense too. But their solution was for it was you have to, uh, you know, depend on a friend. You know, 
it was like like the solutions didn't necessarily match the the, the problem. It's not handy. Well, the best one was the cake. So Goofy's solution for baking a cake was get a cheering section. What's he gonna do? Fucking cheer the cake into the into fruition? I was yelling out, "How about follow a recipe?" And people like, "Shut up!" <laughs> Why don't show. you go buy a cake, you asshole? <laughs> but um, yeah, Mickey Mouse came out, and my daughter could not be contained. She was she was standing up, dude. It was like she was at a Pantera concert. She was just jumping up and singing along, and you know, she she held up a lighter. It was great, man. I can't wait to I can't wait till she gets past this stage and I can actually bring her to a real concert. Yeah, well hey, at least you don't have to sing the Barney theme song like thirty thousand times a day like my parents did. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> so all of that was to answer your question, how was my Labor Day weekend? But I didn't come here to tell you any of that. Tonight tonight we go back to the Phil to to, to the book of Phil Ansamo. The latest uh, chapter in his musical life. We a couple of months back we did a full retrospective of the Pantera catalog, and tonight we will review the latest Phil Ansamo uh, solo project called Philip H. Ansamo and the Illegals Walk Through Exits Only, or as my father would say, Walk Up the Down Staircase. So, Robert. <laughs> Let's get into this. Um, well, what do, what do you know about this album? What um, before we decided to sit down and review it? What did you? What was the buzz on it? Uh, what did you hear about it, et cetera? Just talk to me a little bit about your um, impressions of the album before you even sat down to listen to it. Yeah, well, I had only one impression, which was well, I had more than one. I had a few reviews, but uh, I listened to the single "Bedridden," which was the which is I think a second shortest song on this and it was you know it's kind of sludgy and stuff it's got kind of a really the down tune guitars and it had kind of a nice catchy uh, riff to it and you know Phil was doing his usual I'm thrilled type of thing you know and just having vocals lower than injury do but uh I mean yeah I was I was going off of the album would be kind of like that kind of short and kind of just kind of fun to listen to and really catchy and it's going to be in your head all day then I read the reviews and they're like, you know, this is a really raw and heavy album and it's gonna be it's gonna be kinda hard to place if you're like a, not a huge fan of the style. Like if you're just a Phil Anselmo guy, it's not gonna be as uh it's not gonna be down because, you know, it's not heavy enough for uh it's a bit too heavy for down and Pantera is a bit too slow. So I was like, Oh, okay. And then, now- then I sat down to listen. <laughs> Now I uh, am very familiar with Pantera. Obviously, I'm very familiar with Down. I've actually been to see Super Joint Ritual in concert. So when I saw that Phil uh, Phil Ensemble was doing a uh, solo album again, you know, which was supposed to be a departure from what he'd been doing in Down and so forth, I thought it would actually be a lot like Super Joint Ritual. That was what I was expecting. Very short, mm-hmm. sh- short, very short, um, but punky um rhythmic oh, okay. songs. You just you just totally cut out. <laughs> yeah, okay, you can, cut out or I cut out. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're good you're good now and you you started you're like, yeah, it's a total departure from everything he's done. Yes, yeah, I know this has been cut now. Huh, wonder why. Um in any case, maybe it's Skype tonight, who knows? But uh yeah. But what I was saying was, I was expecting an album like Super Joint Ritual. Um, let me go ahead and say I was not tremendously impressed with this album. And it, you know, and, I, and people, I've been reading a lot of reviews on, it, and they're like, "Well, if you were expecting Pantera Down or Super Joint Ritual, you're going to be disappointed." Okay, yeah. uh, granted, I just said I was expecting something like Super Joint Ritual, that because that seems to be his motif. But that's not why I'm disappointed. I can accept. Um, something that's off the beaten path. I can't accept something that's off the beaten path if it sucks. Um, it's I, you know, I, I can understand sort of you know playing around with different sounds and new ideas or whatever, but it still has to be good. And I feel like 
you know, Phil Ensemble definitely had an influence on on Pantera. Um, you can feel his influence, especially I think in the later albums. If you listen to some of the other stuff that he cites as influences on himself, uh, plus what he puts out there in his side projects, um, I feel like this uh, walk through exits only would have been the if Phil Ensemble was the sole crea- creative director of Pantera and the band had stayed together, I feel like this album would have been the next would have been the one that followed the Great Southern Trend Kill. It really does follow in that vein as far as far as being rhythmically very choppy. Um, yes, very heavy, very angry. Um, it was actually described as sort of sludge and, uh, you know, sludge, but like sludge, uh, you know, as a four by four is driving through the mud and mud is flying everywhere. You know, it isn't quite doom. Um, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a very hard album, I think to digest. Now, if this is your bag, if you like this sort of thing, that's fine. Um, I struggled with it because it's not my sort of thing. I'm going to let you uh, sort of respond to that, and then we're going to play the first track. Uh, well, I got like half of it, so <laughs> I'll go with it when I can. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I can definitely see that. Uh just really did kind of feel like, you know, a sequel to The Great Southern Trend Kill, and especially in a lot of like the – rhythms in it kind of they, they were reminiscent of some of the stuff that we did here on there because it didn't really feel like reinventing the steel <laughs> so I kind of feel like this album here is kind of like you know but that album that you know if this album were to come out you know in 1990 this would be it kind of like you know Death Magnetic was the sequel to Injustice Roll something like that and yeah I am also was disappointed at because, you know, I was not expecting it to sound like any of his other stuff, but I was expecting it, or at least not directly sounding like any of his other stuff. Maybe, you know, kind of, sort of, you know, maybe had some influences of it. There's still a semblance of his other work. And it really, really wasn't besides, you know, that Pantera comparison that you made earlier. Otherwise, this was pretty uh, different. Yeah. Um, All right, so... We, not, not, neither one of us was tremendously impressed. Let's let, let, let's hear a little bit of what doesn't impress us. This is the first track, the aptly named "Music Media Is My Four." The time and surface for a joint reform. Throw a wrench into the dump. Okay, so uh, first track, and you know it's only a minute and God, how long was that? Minute and fifty, so it's almost two minutes long. Uh, six, six seconds short of two minutes. Uh, as as an opening track, you know it definitely sets the tone for the rest of the album, except that the tone is awful. <laughs> um, I, the impression I got, and it really, and this is a good example of it. The impression I got with this album. It felt like he just put a bunch of musicians in the room and said, okay, let's jam. And sometimes that works really, really well, you know, and you get something that sounds like down, for example, or, you know, you get the jelly jam, you know, you get, you know, guys just sort of playing off each other and it sounds really jazzy and bluesy and, um, you know, it's just, it's just good stuff. And then you hear something like that. And it's like, okay, let's all come over and jam. And everyone's just playing their own song, and it's not gelling together at all, and it just sounds like noise. Yeah, it it honestly felt like he had a band together and decided to cover his spoken word performances. It's kind of... (laughs) I mean, yeah, when you... Like like I said before the show, before I looked at the lyrics just to see what we had, I did not realize how much shit he put in this. Like, lyrically, this is a very rich album. 
even if half the shit, like, just glancing at it, I can't make much sense of. But if you gave me 10 minutes per song, I'm pretty good at analyzing poetry and music. But, yeah, it's it's a very lyrically rich album, but it honestly feels like, because I know he does some spoken word stuff, feels like his spoken word his spoken word performances were covered by, like, some friends of his. He's like, okay, guys, uh, you know, we're going to do something that's really angry and heavy, and we're going to put that on top of my spoken word performances. And they're like, hey, you're paying. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) I'm just happy to have work. (laughs) Yeah, it kind of did feel like that. Like, honestly, the first time I listened to this song, I got nothing from it. Like, cause it was, because half the time, when I, well, I'm not going to say half the time, but usually the first track of an album, unless it's, like, really good, which usually I think an album usually tries to put its best foot forward. But this kind of, it didn't grab me at all. Like, it just kind of faded into the background of my ears, and I'm like, what the fuck did I just listen to? Why was Phil muttering over a jam? I was, I was driving. Why was he muttering over a battalion? <laughs> <laughs> I was driving to Orlando from... Um, frostproof, which is great if you don't live in Florida. That totally makes sense. I was driving about an hour um, from where I work to where I was going to meet up with uh, my buddies and from the right radio, and on Thursday night. And I was like, okay, well, this is an opportune time for me to listen to the album. And I put on Spotify, and I put on the first track, and I thought Spotify was broken. I mean, I. <laughs> I'm looking at it. I'm like, is it? Why is it playing it in the middle of the song? You know, or like, do I have this on? On, uh, on... there one time when I hit a, uh, I was going a little too fast and I was lost and I hit railroad like a bunch of railroad bumps and stuff and my Metallica CD skipped for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Were you talking and I just talked over you? No. No. Not at all. Oh, okay, because like, I wasn't sure if I was talking over me. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what a lot of this album reminds me of. It reminds me of I was driving too fast. I was lost trying to take a shortcut on the way home. Went third, went 40 over a, you know, railroad. And then it's playing free speech for the dumb for like two minutes. That is the sound. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a lot of... Stuff in, in Pantera where it's just Phil screaming and there's a lot of noise. But, you know, it's like you get that, you know, you get like a good friends and a bottle of pills amidst an, amidst an album of really awesome stuff. So it's like you can forgive, you know, the times where they, dis- they decide to do something that sounds like an art project. The problem is this is an entire album full of art projects. Uh, and it doesn't really work as well for me. I mean, some of the stuff's not that bad, but Let's get to track two here. Let's move right along. Um, This is Battalion of Zero. Robert, talk to me a little bit about his spoken word and his lyrical content. What kinds of things is Phil trying to tell us? Did Timmy fall in the well? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Quick, Timmy fell in the well. Let's tell him he'll tell the world. <laughs> he's a town crier. Oh, God. Except, he's, he's, except I think he'd be on a funnier show than Two and a Half Men. Uh, oh. but, uh, Boo! Um, 
Boo. Did you hear oh. me that time? Boo. Yeah. Well, I actually took it a second. <laughs> damn. Damn. Block talk radio. Yeah, the first song, it's pretty uh, pretty easy to tell that one. It's because the last uh, line is, uh, or the last two is, but the rebuttal is truth, the regurgitation is boring, emulation is death, agitated, anthemic, discordant, corals, takeover begins now. It begins now, Batman. <laughs> yeah, like that's, I mean, I think that was pretty much the first one. I was like, yeah. You know, stuff being done over and over again is boring. I'm like, you know, you're right, Phil Anselmo. Go ahead and make a spoken word album. Bitches will buy it left and right. All right, so that Battalion of Zero song, um, a lot of the that same kind of uh, sound of a riot. <laughs> you know, the musical interpretation of what a riot might sound like, um, and Phil Anselmo just screaming incessantly. Hey, I, you ever see Back to the Future where uh, Marty McFly puts on the radiation suit and he uh, tries to trick his dad by saying that he's Darth Vader and he uses the Walkman to say that he's going to fry your brain, he's going to fry his brain, but he's playing like Van Halen. Imagine if it was, imagine if it was Phil Ensemble and the Illegals, what poor uh, George McFly would have thought. Because I'm, t- I'm, I'm going to hell. That's the thing. Like, if, you know, if someone were and I, if someone were right now to come in here and put that while on me while I was sleeping, I would have thought I was dying and my brain was being uh, melted. I, I mean, yeah, it's like it's like death metal. It's it's the repetitiveness of death metal without the growling. Well, well, that death metal at least manages to change between verse and chorus. <laughs> Like this, honestly, yeah. like I said, it feels like a spoken. It feels like spoken word, and it's just one repetitive loop over and over, which I think really takes away from the good part. There are some good parts of this album, but I feel like stuff like this, like yeah, if you gave me fifteen minutes, so you know, really just comb over what he's talking about, I could probably tell you something. But just looking at it at a glance, I'm like, dude, it feels like you're just yelling words, and then saying hands up, hands down, and we're playing seven up and fourth grade all over again. Yeah, I, I feel like instead of calling this Phil on Philip H. Ensemble and the illegals, they should have said Philip H. On. Oh, I, I cut out again. Yeah, it's, it seems like every time you start, like half the times when you start a point, it's like yeah, in like thirty seconds, like five seconds, and I'm like maybe, and it's like no, I'm like damn it. Okay, this is gonna be this is gonna be fun tonight. Um, it, it will. It's gonna be like you know. Let's play Mad Libs of Mark Radlich and Robert Cooper. Okay. Well, we should yeah, do Phil Anselmo. We should do Phil Anselmo Mad Libs next episode. There we go. Well, <laughs> we let me first this album. <laughs> well, that was what I was going to get. <laughs> Philip H. Anselmo and the Mad Libs. Um, that's oh, actually wow. that's actually kind of funnier than what I was going to say, which is that they should have called this album Philip H. Anselmo throws a tantrum. So that's I mean it's one song after another uh, of him. Ah! Next. Ah! <laughs> Philip H. N. Selmo, can I find an adjective? <laughs> All right. Speaking speaking of Philip H. Ansamo, uh here is uh, the next track. This is track three. This is called Betrayed. There's a guy 
first of all, let me start off right so that you can understand me. Jimmy, yum, 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 yum. There's the guy. Is that better now? <laughs> yeah, I first thought at first when you were looking for you about to say now, and then it almost cut out. I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. <laughs> There's the guy <laughs> I'm working with in the jail that I work at. Uh, presently on suicide watch. Not really suicidal. He's just a he's just a huge baby. And today, um, I've dealt with him a bunch of times before, and we're, we're at a point where letting him off suicide watch is probably going to do more harm than good, even though he's not suicidal. And it's really a matter of not having the right resources to deal with people with um, borderline personality disorder and. Uh, that sort of thing, which is a wholly different podcast, but I am trying to make a point here. So he's screaming behind the door, what did I do? What did I do? What did I do? Over and over and over again. You know, what did I do to ha- that, that they had to put him on suicide watch? Um, the other thing he was screaming was he couldn't breathe. So he's in a cell by himself, and he's saying that he can't breathe in the cell, that he, I have to let him off suicide watch because he can't breathe. Of course, if he couldn't breathe, he wouldn't be able to tell me that. So, um, he's screaming at the top of his lungs, let me out of here, I can't breathe, let me out of here, I can't breathe. And then when that didn't work, he started to scream, what did I do, what did I do? And then he was screaming something else, but I don't remember what it was. Um, I feel like, had I just showed up with a guitar and one of the other inmates was banging on some pots and pans, it would have sounded like that last song. That I completely lose you. You lost me right at the end, but I got I got I got most of the story. Pretty much, this insane rambling man could have <laughs> actually made lots and lots of money with Mark Radlitz on guitars. Well, the point of it is, is it would have sounded exactly like the song we just heard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, looking, this song's a little easier to uh, digest or less lyrically digest than the other one. It's pretty, uh, you know, it's pretty cut and dry. You know, betrayed. You know, it's talking about how. The people have been betray- betrayed, and how can the people be betrayed to sleep at night? I'm assuming they're talk- he's talking about the government, and then he's like, how can we sleep at night because of what they're doing, and mass hypnosis, and stuff like that. Oh, my God. Yeah, That's the one, I, that was the one thing I could, that was the one of the things I, I, I made out in the song, which was, like, I'm waiting for uh, the world to have, like, like, like something along the lines of, like, mass wake up, or, you know, um, something, I'll, I'll Keep, go ahead. You you jump in here. Let me see if I can pull up the lyrics to this. Yeah, it's uh, pretty much that's that's what this song is really about. It's about uh, like the last. Well, it's almost like the last two lines can really kind of help you what it stands for. It says we must stand resolute, extremist resolute. I've been betrayed, revolt. So yeah, that's. I feel like that is really what this song is about. It's about he's feeling betrayed. I'm assuming by the government again, because you know who really betrays you other than ex-girlfriends, and the government. Oh, and your crackhead best friend. But luckily, I don't have a crackhead best friend, so that's good. But Okay, here it yeah, is. Yeah, that is... Okay. Here it is. This is a call for mass awareness. You know, can I just say that I think we're long past the time that music is going to bring people to a, a, to an, an awakening. That I, I think we're, we're long past the time... That anyone's going to listen to uh, Taylor Swift or uh, Phil Ansamo or Miley Cyrus or um, Pat Benatar or Bob Dylan and think, you know what, maybe we shouldn't bomb Syria. I just don't think that people at this point, I don't care how many times uh, Ministry writes a song about the 99% or George Bush, I think that people go, yeah, cool, and then that's it. They go back to their life. Is it just me, or or is it just seems very trite for these uh, musicians who have made a, a tremendous amount of money and done um, more drugs than uh, you know enough oh, yeah, drugs to drop yeah. a fucking horse? Sitting there <laughs> saying, I'm waiting for the rest of you people who buy my albums to wake up. Um. On behalf of all of us who are awake and didn't do a massive amount of drugs, go fuck yourself. Oh, no. I mean, you're not wrong. 
I'm not quite as indignant about it as you are. Then again, I haven't been listening to people telling me to wake up for the past 25 years. So, you know, why, why do I know? But, I mean, I don't mind the whole wake-up sort of thing, I guess, on occasion, really. Uh, you know, a song really can, you know, it can bring somebody who is uninformed informed and maybe change their mind on a subject. I mean, I've had a few songs do that. You know what we should be resolute you know, against? You know what we should be resolute against? Two things. I think more than Syria, more than the you know the uh, military-industrial complex, more than the 1%, what we need to stand resolute against is Ben Affleck as Batman. I don't think it's that bad. Uh, are you missed oh, miss that episode of The Three Beards? Because my audio was really out of whack, so Kevin just had to scrap it. We talked about Batfleck. But then again, it was 30 minutes of Batfleck. I actually let a fart so loud you could hear it on the recording. You know, what, I you know what we should also stand resolute against? We should, Why? you know, that as a society, we should come together and stop. We should make the president write a law that prevents this from ever happening again. You know what I'm talking about? This album? No, twerking. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I stand resolute against twerking, Robert Cooper. I feel like oh. we are a worse off nation for twerking. Uh, see, you cut off right before you said twerking, and now that you've said twerking, see, I thought you were going to say another Phil Asia, Philip Asia and Selmo album. But yes, twerking is the, uh, if, if Lewis Black showed the root of all evil was still around, I think it would win, because nothing <laughs> good comes from twerking. Nothing good really comes from, okay, some good things come from twerking. Like, you know, as an admirer of the female bottom, I salute the idea of twerking. It's just the fact that there's a lot of white girls that think they're good at it, and they're really not. I go to a predominantly black college now. I can vouch for that. I, <laughs> as Lee I, is on. I feel as Lee like... Is on. <laughs> Are you the uh, ambassador of twerking? I am the 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 ambassador. Yeah, I, I think that's... I think you've now graduated from Funtime Robert Cooper to the Ambassador of Twerking. Oh God, no, I'm good. I'm, <laughs> I am good with Ambassador. We can give Lambert the Ambassador of Twerking or something. All right. Um, he likes female pop stars. Here's enough of my ranting. This is Usurper Bastard's rant. had some degree of a rhythm to it so you know there were parts of it that um again you know uh, super joint ritual tended to be choppy at times but it still had a rhythm to it um you know it made it made me want to twerk robert cooper super joint ritual oh, had no. me <laughs> super no, joint ritual no. had super joint ritual had me twerking in the bowery that's what was going on at the time oh uh, were you with raven getting your head beat through with a guitar <laughs> no, the Bowery Ballroom in New York City. Oh, yeah, I was thinking of that stuff. Uh, I was thinking of the Bowery. You know where Raven's from? Yes, I understand. Uh, um, that's why no, I know no, you get the reference. You're old. <laughs> <laughs> God, don't, don't put the image of you twerking in my head again. That is not nice. Oh. That is not nice, Mark Ravlich. Super Joint Ritual had me twerking in the Bowery, but I don't see myself twerking to Usurper Bastard's rant. 
No, but I mean, hey, at least at least this song did have a pretty nice rhythm section, like right in the middle. But I mean, I mean just <clears throat> how choppy this is. Don't you think this is better set in a jazz club with some like pretentious bitch with a beret playing bongos? <laughs> well, that's that's what I mean. This is what I was saying before. You know, this has all the choppiness that 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 made up a lot of the great Southern trend kill. This feels like it's an evolution from that, and it's odd that he would go back to that period of his music. I mean, people are like, oh, he was trying something new, he was doing something. No, he's doing exactly what they did with the Great Southern Trend Kill, minus the rhythm. Wasn't he highly hopped out on drugs then? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty I mean, sure like that was. Yeah, he's clean. I mean, <laughs> you know what I want to do? I want to make the Great Southern Trend Kill again, but this time not on drugs. You know, this time I want to do it in a clear mind, but, you know, Dimebag's kind of dead. So I'm going to get this guy whose Metal Archives page includes this band. (laughs) (laughs) I'm wondering if he's a homeless man. I mean, yeah, I think he has another credit. Uh, Yeah, Marzi. Yeah, that's the other band that he's active in, Marzi. Oh, and he was in Superjoint, so okay. Okay, he was in Superjoint. Let's see about the drummer. Was he in Superjoint? No, he's in Warbeast. Okay, Warbeast is pretty cool. What about the bassist? Nope. Oh, he's not even in Phil's band. Fuck. Okay. Okay, yeah. I wasn't sure if you were in dead or something. No, I was waiting for you to finish that thought. All right. Um, yeah, yeah. This is a band of misfits, including guy who's not in the band anymore, guy in War Beast, and some guy that used to be in Superjoint. I think I think this band was made up of people who were in Phil and Samuel's house at the time that he decided this was a good idea. Actually, that that is a great possibility because uh, War Beast are signed on to his Housecore Records label, so <laughs> it is it's tours with them. So you know. <laughs> They had a split out. Hey, you, you have a choice. You can either go out and buy milk or you can come play bass on this band. Oh, I'm going to go play bass. Okay, just just remember, just, just think bongos. <laughs> think, All right. Think bongos moving, and slide guitar. Moving right along here, we have uh, about 20 minutes left of this um, rather short, uh, abbreviated podcast tonight, so... Here it is, track five, Walk Through Exits Only. This is the title track of this uh, wonderful album. Was the recording process of this album like, okay, we're going to sit here, we're going to record a song, and, you know, we're going to have this long intro, and then, like, they recorded it. It turned out that it was 12 hours long. So, like, okay, we need to cut some of this stuff. Um, Let's just cut everything up to Phil singing. When Phil (laughs) sings, that's going to be the song. Like, every single one just... Yes. It's it's like, hey, hey guys, I like Dream Theater. You know what they do? Yeah, let's not do that. <laughs> but let's give let's give let's give six minute songs of me jabbering. Which this song actually, I don't mind lyrical content because after you know reading lyrical content, it's not bad. And this song actually is one of my favorites of the album because it's got a fairly catchy rhythm to it. Ermagerd. Yeah, it's in there. It's it's buried and it's sort of hard to take it seriously when you have to get through. You know, okay, hit record. My daughter and I will occasionally have a scream off. She'll walk up to me and just start yelling. Like, ah! And then I'll turn to her, and her mother loves this, by the way. Loves that her child and her husband are now having a scream off in the middle of the living room. But she'll go, ah! And then I'll turn to her, and I'll get right in her face, and I'll go, ah! And she goes, no, Dada, and pushes me. And she says, 
ah, and we'll do this four or five times before my wife says, stop or I'm leaving. <laughs> that, that, is, that is every scene kid in the mosh pit. <laughs> Wonderful. My two-year-old, well, yeah, like, my two-year-old is a scene sir, is that what you're saying? Uh, your, scene kid, your two-year-old is emulating a scene kid in the mosh pit. But at least it's okay. kind of cool that your two-year-old's like, hey, punk, no, and just shows you, like, ah! <laughs> uh, Does yeah, it all the time. Actually, yeah, this song here actually is, uh, like, the first line pretty much gives it away. It's ruined. Everybody ruins music, not just me. Kind of ironically saying that. But, yeah, <laughs> I mean, pretty much the point of this song is that I think it's pretty much quit bitching. You know, music's been ruined for everybody forever, so just because one band you like comes along, shut up. Which I'm like, that is a great message, Phil. If only I weren't a writer. <laughs> All right. Moving on to the next track. This is, speaking of uh, scenesters and uh, scene kids, this is Track Sticks, Bedroom Destroyer. <laughs> for a breakdown. Yes. Oh. <laughs> well, I mean, I could see it fitting here, but honestly, this almost feels like a damn grind album now that I think about it. Like, it's yeah, very, it's very grindcore-ish. It's, I definitely feel like there's a lot of soiling green and suffocation going on with this uh, with this album. That's ironic. I'm wearing a suffocation t-shirt right now. Haha, I got it from a thrift store for $1.50. Fuck yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, this song honestly, when I now that I'm reading about reading the lyrics, I honestly feel like this is like Phil talking about him in like the '90s, really depressed and angry and gonna destroy every damn room because he's depressed and angry and like afraid and ashamed and blah blah blah. It's actually a nice, I guess, look at Phil's inner thoughts about Phil. I wonder how many people that are listening to this album are picking up on that and thinking about it. Yeah, you know, like I'm sure as oh. an artist, he's, I'm sure as an artist, he's like, oh, I want to share what it was like for me to go through sort of a manic period or depressive period. You know, I want to share, you know, how mental health was really affecting me and my decision making. And people listen to that song and go, um, I want to hear Taylor Swift and twerking. Uh, Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, I didn't really get, like, I thought the song was fairly catchy, too, maybe just for the better, we'll destroy, better, destroy, better, destroy, and I'm like, yeah, but, yeah, I mean, that's that's a pretty catchy part, but, yeah, when you actually, sometimes when you just go back and read the lyrics, you can find out there's actual stuff in there, like, you know, honestly, I'm tempted to sit down and just listen to this once without reading lyrics and then listen to it again with them and see if I can really make this album to be as good as everybody's really trying to make it sound like it is. I don't know, because this album is so, like, you know, it's solid. I mean, I'm not going to spoil everything here, but in so far this album has been pretty just, it's been solid if you like the style, the grind, the sludgy grind with just kind of well, inane ramblings of a drunk hobo. <laughs> you'll, you'll, kind of, you'll kind of enjoy it, especially up to this point. But yeah, I don't ever. Oh, I'll just see a lot of people like, yeah, four out of five, you know, eighty percent. And I'm like, nah, I just don't see it. <laughs> I think that's it, though. If you're not a, and I'm not, you know, admittedly, I am not a huge fan of grindcore. Um, 
you know, I like songs that sound like music. I don't like music that sounds like um, a traffic collision. Somebody is caught in the garbage compactor. <laughs> yeah, I just, I'm not into it. And God bless you if you are. If grindcore is your thing, and certainly there are people who uh, think grindcore is just spectacular, God bless you. I hope you enjoyed this album. I really do. And and it's not like I wish I you know, look, on my way home today after listening to this track, I was like, I want to hear Phil Ensemble make music again. And I put on <laughs> and I put on Vulgar Display of Power. And I remember Incredible. thinking, wow, this had to have been like the peak of his creative genius. Um along with the members of Pantera, it wasn't just Phil. But I, I remember thinking, there's not a bad song on this album. And there's a certain – you can definitely pick out elements that were on um, Vulgar Display of Power that resemble what he's doing here and what he's done with Super Joint Ritual. But there's also some down in there. Um, but overall, it was just rhythmically uh, – it was just a great album. It's one, of, it's, it's one of my top ten most perfect albums I've ever listened to. And I was like, huh. You know, with all of the stuff that he's doing and experimentation and everything else, I just wish he got back to the basics. I, got, I wish he got back to making, you know, he doesn't have to make another vulgar display of power, but at least try to make music instead of making um, an effects reel for a horror movie. Go, go listen to the last Down EP. It just came out last year. <laughs> I mean, he's, it's not like he's been kidnapped and will never make music again. Because <laughs> they're coming out with like four, I think they're coming out with an EP like every year. So last year was like the purple EP, which is kind of doomy and stonery, like their traditional stuff. I'm interested in this, this next one. But yeah, grind. I like grind. I have an appreciation for grind. I do not love grind. I have a very moderate tolerance, which the thing. And there's not many genres of metal I don't have a high tolerance for, to be honest. <laughs> but yeah, this yeah, I'm, I'm pretty. I'm pretty tolerate tolerating of most things. But grind after a while is like, you know, I like short songs. They can be good, but hearing I don't know, twenty songs in forty minutes kinda sorta lo- makes it lose its luster after a while because I'm like, I don't know what songs are what. Well, anal cunt is funny not because you know what they're saying. It's because you have to go look it up later and be like, God, Seth Putnam was a cunt. <laughs> All right. And I mean, he, he of, really was an, an anal cunt. Aha! Yeah. Then speaking of Seth Putnam being a cunt, this next song is called Bedridden. <laughs> That actually sounded like like it started off like an Anacon song, and then it went two minutes too long. <laughs> like, all right, that goes out to you, Seth. Now for a song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> actually, like I said, this is the song I thought the album kind of be like. It. Like, you know, this song is honestly kind of catchy, and it does the point of the, I guess, the lyrics as well as the sound of the song do kind of paint the picture of a man who's angry and stuck in his bed and just kind of seething with just hatred as he withers away. I kind of, I guess I actually really did enjoy this song, and this is the one that got me, like, you know, after you were like, hey, we're going to do Phil Anselmo, because, you know, at first I was like, oh, I don't know. I'm like, you know, I'm not sure. And then I heard this song, and I'm like, okay, you know, maybe this album will be good. And then I listened to the album, and I'm like, Mark's not going to like reviewing this. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you sound I mean, totally sound- you totally sound like well, I mean, at least there. in terms uh, of I like uh, it now. 
I know bad things get great podcasts. You know, like sometimes bad UFC events get really good rants from like Jeff and Pat and Robert. Okay, not really. Robert didn't really go on that many rants. I think I lost him in Factor Fiction last week. By the way, that made me sad. I always, I've been losing by one vote each week. But yeah, bad, bad things make for great podcasting. But at the same time, if it's good, like you know, Aim on the Mark, that was good. You and Sean, we got a damn good podcast out of that because there was enough substance in it to where we could kind of, you know, sprinkle some water in those seeds and grow a nice podcast. Now, this was kind of like, oh, here's a festering pile of garbage. You smell that stink? Yeah. So did everybody else. Let's talk about it. <laughs> um, I was totally going to make a joke there, and then you kept talking, so um, I'm not going to make a joke. I'm going to play another song. This is the last track on the album, this is called, and I feel like we've already done this with the one where he's destroying the house, but whatever. This is called Irrelevant Walls and Computer Screens. This Um, that that actually that wasn't bad, but by the time you get there, like ugh, I'm done. Um, overall, like I said, I feel like this is this is a very self indulgent project for Phil Anselmo. It was Phil Anselmo doing a Phil Anselmo uh, production about stuff that he likes, um, which is fine, and that's his right. Uh, I don't have to buy it, and I won't, and I don't want to give it a good review. I, I would say um, it's a C. And that's being generous. Robert? This last song right here, I'm just going to say this last song was 12 fucking minutes long. Does not need to go on 12 fucking minutes, Phil. Damn it. No. I was actually prepared to say that's like the best song on the album, and then I saw the length it was, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know what kind of meandering fucktardedness this goes into, but I don't want to be bothered with it. Meandering fucktardedness. That is great. You know, that's... You're welcome. Over if I ever, if, if I ever guest on the 411 Ground and Pound, that should be the name of the episode: Meandering Fuck's Hardness. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> but yeah, this, I don't know. I just, I just feel like then again with MMA, I'm actually pretty to the point, not random, because I feel like I have something to prove. But anyways, yeah, this album, this this album, honestly, I would maybe give it a C, maybe a high B. I, I'm probably going to, like, before I do my top 50 of the year, I'm going to listen to this again and give it another fair shake. Because, you know, I only have a 2300-song playlist to uh, to get through. I, it's not going to happen, though. I'm probably going to get through the 500 songs that I want, and then I'm done. <laughs> but, yeah, this album here is, if you have the patience and, the I guess, the, the testicular fortitude to really get through what this album is, which is honestly, it is his spoken, honestly, after making that point, I fully believe it. This is his spoken word performance. This is an advertisement for it. That is what this is. It is pretty much that with the band, because the band doesn't really do much. Like, Phil is the, he is the dog and the pony show. And he brings in the rest of Barnum and Bailey for that. It is pretty much, it is Phil Anselmo show, which is, you know, fitting, because his name is on the marquee. But still, I mean, Damn, Pettis and Bindo were not 90% of the card. Yeah. Uh, it, it, yeah, I feel like he should have given his band more to do and maybe kind of toned down some of the more grindier aspects, which, I mean, granted, if he would have done that, it might not have flown as flowed as well. But, yeah, this this album right, in, right now at this point gets, gets a C because I get what he's doing, I see what he's doing, and there's good content here. There's a lot of meandering. Now, if I revisit it, 
and I think it's better, I'll like totally be on here and be like, yeah, so uh, I think we should have given it more of a chance. But I mean, hey, it's kind of ironic. This album is very meh, managed to get, you know, a solid hour or so of good conversation rather than Children of Bodom, which is a far superior album that had me depressing you with comic books. Boom. <laughs> All right, so uh, next, Tourist 2013. Eh? Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> Dude, it is getting shit on everywhere. <laughs> oh. Um, I, actually, uh, there's one album that I got from, uh, it came out in July, so this is, it is a little far back, but it's real. You ever listen to Sabaton? Um, I know of yeah. them. I've never listened to them. Okay, well, this basically what happened last year was their entire, like, like five or four out of the six members left the band and started a new band. <laughs> and it's okay. called Civil War. And it's a really, that, the new album is called The Killer Angels. And all their songs are about uh, history and battles and shit. And it's really good. And it's kind of metal. So if we do, is pardon? It, you said Civil War? Civil War. That's the name of the band. And it came out, it came out around July. So it is a few months behind but we have the excuse of we made our summer plans in May. <laughs> Is this one called the uh, the Killer Angels? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, this looks interesting. This looks like it's got a lot of. Uh, um, it, it looks like it's uh, got a lot like a lot of history going on here. Um, yeah, I give it a listen. Song about Napoleon, one of St. Patrick's Day. It's got some songs about Gettysburg. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty it's pretty solid. It's like you mix Sabaton and a guy who wants to do an Uno impersonation but also wants to do some Ronnie James Dio. Okay. Yeah. Um I'll give it a yeah, you know what? Let's let's do that one. You wanna do I mean it's your pick anyway, so you wanna do Civil War, we'll do Civil War next. Okay, well I wasn't sure. Well I guess if Sean shows up, he'll like this album. I'll I can guarantee you that. So yeah. Yeah, he I'll, has I'll be, upload it. He I, has to be on to call his next album. If he's not on, then he gets skipped. That is true. That that is true. That's why I'm always lucky to be here. That's so right. yeah, I'll, I will inform, I will inform him inform him in like an hour and a half on Ron Brandle's pod, podcast of me hijacking things like a twiddly mustache bandit. But yeah, I can I can totally upload all that. It's a it's a really good album. I've been listening to it on the loop in the car. Okay. Yep. Yeah, you're in charge yeah. of that. All right. So we'll so the next uh, in two weeks we'll, we'll do Civil War right here on the Metal Hammer of Doom. Um, all right, we have about a minute left. Go ahead and plug your stuff. Okay, uh, the Hammer of Doom news report every Sunday, or this week it was Monday because I went and saw White House down, and it was not worth it. But I did get the, uh, I did manage to get a pretty good uh, fantasy team from the computer because I forgot the fantasy draft before 411's league was uh, Sunday night. Yeah, I got Maddie Ice. So good for me. Uh, let's see. What else am I? Oh, yeah, four-player co-op in the uh, 411 game zone. Let's hope I win. I'm probably getting win because Randall asked us to talk about our football team season, and I went on like a 700-word uh, tirade about how the Panthers are going to win win nine games this year. And then I talked about the gray, the gray Cup in the CFL just to try to pander. But, yeah, I did that. Uh, I was going to do the top five in the music zone, but I had nothing and I didn't have time. So you should go check that out. It comes out tonight. And it is uh oh top five songs about uh songs with a place in the name. Not not like Valhalla, but like Brooklyn, you know, something like that. And let's see, anything else I mean I really don't think I'm doing anything else. Well, I might do the top five in the game zone, which is uh top five uh yeah, top five action RPGs. That should be interesting. And what's as for podcasts, the cooperative multiplayer podcast starts in an hour and a half on a speaker on a Stephen Randall Spreaker, so go check that out. It'll be probably J- Jeremy Thomas, Daniel Anderson, Sean Garmer, and the aforementioned Stephen Randall. I also was in the man cave. I finally made it. You uh, are in a man cave? Is- I am jealous. I haven't been asked I haven't been asked to be back into the man cave since uh we did the first Oz episode. <laughs> well, I mean I actually I came to him, I'm like, Hey man, you wanna do a Panther podcast? He's like, Sure. <laughs> So I made it into the man cave with an hour-long Panthers uh, season preview, and it was pretty good. The part of my narrative was destroyed when David Geddes got released. Kind of like, you know, he's back after a good year and a half of being injured. He's going to be, he's going to emerge as a good number three receiver. 
we're going to be fine. And then he got released the next day, and I'm like, damn it. <laughs> and it was actually, oh, and it was funny because we did the podcast during the last preseason game. So I was shitting on Ted Ginn Jr. And then at the end of it, he had uh, already scored like two touchdowns. He's like, isn't this ironic? It's a great way to end the podcast. <laughs> He's like, start by uh, just totally dumping on this guy, and now he's scoring touchdowns. But uh, what do you know? I'm like, exactly. And my last plug is for the three beards. Uh, yeah, it's the greatest podcast on earth when my audio works. I don't know what happens. I had to reinstall uh, Audacity. I mean, this, uh, this last episode when we talked about bat, the bat flick. Pretty much what you missed was the bat flick, Kevin drunk, and uh, really going in a very uh, whiny tirade about uh, why South America and Europe get all the damn good Mike Patton shows. And why he's missing stuff like Danzig and Tomahawk while he has to go to New York. Which me and Fletcher go, I've never been to New York. <laughs> okay. That, that, yeah, that's what that uh, that's what that pretty much boils down to. Him like, oh, i got to go do this at a comic convention. I'm like, I've never been up there. Lucky fucker. Oh, and I laid an audible fart, and it was so bad that both Kevin and Fletcher were on Skype going, oh, my God, was that you? So yeah, that that is what you missed on the latest episode of Three Beards, and that is a good commercial for what you should what you will hear on the Three Beards: drunken assholes, comic book bullshit, and just you know general tomfoolery. So yeah, you should totally come uh, go check us out on uh, iTunes. You can find us with Three Beards. Rate and review us five stars. I'll love you long time. And yeah, uh, on Facebook at facebook.com four slash uh, Three Beards Podcast, because I know Mark is totally caught up on the Three Beards, right? Right? Right. Yeah, so. Uh, so I remember last time you weren't in here, I was like, you totally should, because, you know, you've got like a four-hour commute, commute a day or something. <laughs> yeah, something like that. All right. Uh, but, um, always fun doing these uh, podcasts with you. I'm glad we, we kept it short and sweet this time. Um, and just got right to the point. No fooling around. No nothing like that. Uh, all right. Um, so we'll be back in two weeks for another episode of the Metal Hammer of Doom. Um, next, a week from tonight, uh, Long Road to Ruin is back. Uh, two weeks ago, we did a co- or rather last week, we did a comic book special. It seems to be well received. I've gotten some feedback on it. People liked it. Uh, they got to hear me talk with passion about the Hulk. That's not gay or anything. <laughs> Um, they, uh, we also, talk, <laughs> we also talking about riding the Hulk. <laughs> we, uh, we, we spent a long time talking about Ben Affleck and the aborted justice league movie and Batman Superman. And I, I went through my whole spiel about how, you know, you, you can't trust Warner brothers to, uh, put together a porn, let alone a, um, a, you know, a comic book movie. So, yeah, you know, so go ahead and check that out. It's just me and Sean bullshitting about comic books for two two plus hours. It was uh, it was fun. It was cathartic. It was like therapy. Um, prior to that was Mission Impossible, and a week from tonight we finally start First Blood. And hopefully after we get our First Blood podcast um, off the ground, we'll be uh, we'll be doing a video cast um, of the same subject, and that'll be posted on the Manic Expressions YouTube page. So we'll look for all that in the future. Um, keep oh, your yeah, head you're out. Digging, you're, you're digging out of the Blog Talk hellhole. Uh, well, no, we'll still be using Blog Talk Radio, but we'll, we're going to be expanding the ways that you can uh, listen to all the Rattlech and Broadcasting Network shows um, besides iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, Rated as five stars. So, um, also, keep your head out for... Um, when Breaking Bad goes off the air, the, the, the very last episode of Breaking Bad, that night, uh, a bunch of us are going to get together and do a post-show wrap-up um, of the series finale. So uh, that'll actually preempt the 411 Mania Ground and Pound show, uh, which will be yeah. that morning at 11 a.m. So just keep on the lookout for that. Of course, every Sunday night is the 401 Ground and Pound radio show. We uh, reviewed UFC 164 and all the various fight nights. Um, and we previewed this week's upcoming fight night in Brazil with Glover Teixeira and Ryan Bader. Uh, lastly, um, things coming up this week. I will be stepping in for Wyatt Boger, who has lost somewhere in time. Uh, I will be recapping the very first episode of uh, The Ultimate Fighter Season 18, Sex Kitten, I believe is what it's called. So uh, I'll... <laughs> 
I'll be <laughs> Yeah, sex kid, bitch. So yes, I will be reviewing uh, Sex Kitten for the site. Um, <laughs> as soon as Clucky shows up, yes. As soon as uh, Fight Night Twenty Eight goes off the air, uh, Tough Eighteen season premiere will uh, will debut, and then when that uh, ends, I'll post the recap. I will also be covering this week's Bellator uh, Sex Kitten. No, um, I'll be reviewing the. <laughs> I'll be covering the new uh, Bellator this week, September 7th. Uh, it's going to be on a Saturday. So uh, look for that. Come hang out with us and see if I post any pictures of Clucky. And why would I post pictures of Clucky? Because it doesn't matter what you think. I think it's funny. Um, not a judge, he's a chicken boo. That's right. All right. So for Mr. Robert, <laughs> Mr. Robert Cooper, one of the three beards, this has been the Metal Hammer of Doom. We'll be back in two weeks. Until then, be well, be safe, and behave.